What's going on, good people? Excited to be here, man. Me and T.R. Swain is in the building tonight. So tonight we're talking about the psychology of investing and overcoming emotional biases. So, man, 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 we got some action-packed stuff for you guys. Man, I'm super excited. Um, full throttle. Good to have T.R. Swain back in the building from Swain Solutions. So y'all say what's good to her. You know, we're going to go ahead and get this thing kick-started uh, right after we do our intro. So excited to get this party on the road. Let's go. That's honey. Yo, 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 let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Um, so man, you know, like this video, you know, share this thing up. You know, we're back live here um on the come up series. Y'all know what it is. So tonight it's going down. So the psychology of investing and overcoming emotional biases. Um, there was a there was a lot of topics that I came up with for you know the next few episodes, and I was just like, you know, I felt like I don't think that we've done an episode that's really been based upon this, right? So I was like, nah, this is definitely a good episode to do. Um, and I was like, yo, I was like, TR, cook up some questions for me. And um, I think that's how we rock out today's show. So TR, I know you put in a lot of work on the back end, um, just getting those questions prepped. So yeah, I'm so yeah, uh, let's pretty much just hop into things. The the psychological aspect. You know, I think it's like just super, super, super important, like more so than anything. Right. Because, you know, your mindset and, and your your conditioning, your mental conditioning plays an important and huge major role when it comes to just anything I feel like in life. Right. So when you're thinking about this and you think about like trading, when you think about investing, I just realized, like, for the most part, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of times that happens is, is that we sometimes discount that. Right. I remember last year I held an event and I actually brought someone from, you know, from that psychological field. I actually brought them actually in, um, you know, to actually speak at an event I did because I just, you know, I realized just how much and how and like really just how important it was. So, um, you know, psychological thing is something I feel like that you can't underestimate. And, um, you know, it's something that, you know, it's like super, super important and in, in, in and I just see the benefit of it in the long run, right? In anything that you do. So um, if your mind isn't right, then a lot of things won't be right. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's really true, Lawrence. And if you think about it, right, whenever you guys are investing, I'm sure that that brings up an array of emotions in terms of like risk, anxiety, fear. So what we're doing, I mean, I'm sorry. So what we're saying with this topic is really on point. So, all right. So y'all, are y'all ready? Let's go ahead and kick off these questions. Y'all know I got like <laughs> let's fire it All up, right. Awesome. Sure. So well, first, Lawrence, let's begin. Can you first explain, like, you know, like what are emotional biases and how do they affect investment decision making? Man, so I let me start with an example because I feel like you know, right. an example really makes it make sense, right? Uh so you know, you can have an emotional bias, you can have just uh a bi you can have a bias towards anything. Let me start off there, right? You could be biased, like you could be biased towards anything. 
And a lot of times I feel like growing up, we create biases based upon what our parents teach us, right? So there's a lot of times we have certain biases that form naturally throughout time. Um, one of the things I've realized is, you know, for us as, as traders and investors, we a lot of times form biases based upon uh, maybe a CEO we like, right? Maybe a specific product we like. So a lot of times I've realized like when we'll have these biases towards certain things and um, sometimes we don't even realize it, right? Until maybe someone may point it out. And when it comes to biases and trading, it's, it's something that could really be a hindrance, right? If you really like a company, right? And you really like a leader, right? Maybe a, C a CEO or someone else in their front office, that could lead you towards a bias when it comes to decision-making. So from even from a trader's perspective, if you really like a company, you may be on the you may be the person that has an edge towards just being super bullish on that company. Right. I think that's one thing that I've seen, um, you know, even from my standpoint, like a company that you really like um, it's from a from a psychological standpoint, it could be difficult for you to short that company, even given a, a certain circumstance. Right. If you really like a leader, if you really like, you know, particularly um, that company, you may be really, really not inclined to actually short that company. Right. So I think that's like one thing that I've seen, um, you know, that I think a lot of times is like, like just super, super, super important for me to highlight. So overcoming that, let's talk about overcoming that. Um, it takes a lot. I feel like it really, 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 really takes a lot to overcome it. And the reason why I say that is like, you know, for me, it's like, you know, one of the most important things is, you know, you, you love, start to love a company over and over again. And the success of maybe trading a company successfully over and over again, you know, really puts you in a position now where, uh, you know, you've kind of fell in love with that company, right? And falling in love with a stock in my opinion, is one of the most deadly sins. Um, I could speak to it like you could fall in love with. I remember when Beyond Meat first came out and I kind of fell in love with trading that particular stock. Um, and I remember it cost me. Right. So there's a, a lesson learned. Um, now, I think I originally got into Beyond Meat around 40 bucks. It went to like maybe 220, 230. I ended up getting out at 160. Now, the reason why I got out at 160 was because I was greedy and I didn't take profits and I had a bias to it as well. Right. Because I really liked the leadership at the time in the company. And then I remember the CEO announcing that he had sold like I want to say, if I remember correctly, like maybe 20 percent of its of its shares. The CEO actually sold um, that during announced that during an earnings call. Right. And I remember the next day, like I remember the stock was up, like I'm going to say maybe about 10 points after hours is up about 10 bucks after hours. But me having a bias towards how successful that company came out right out the gates. I remember when it pulled back sixty dollars. Um, and that was that was one that was in that was in one night. Right. It pulled back sixty dollars. The next morning it opened up at like. You know, it closed at like 220 next morning. And I think it opened up at like maybe 175 and then dropped all the way down to like 160. So, you know, ultimately I should have taken profit definitely before then. Still, it was still a great trade. Um, not even, uh, yeah, a great trade at the time. Wasn't really something, you know, super, super long term I planned to be in. But um, you, you, I had a bias, right? And um, it was really just from the standpoint of me having a bias was, because I, I believe that 
you know, I believe I had a liking to leadership. Right. Right. Um, and then certain times, and I would just remember in the past, even from a trading perspective, like sometimes you put too much confidence in one person. Um, like whether it was Elon Musk, I remember the battery day incident, right? Um, I remember Tesla was like, I want to say it closed at maybe like 425, 430. And the next morning it opened up at 360, right? Um, and obviously wasn't a, a loss because I, I'm a, I was a long-term investor, obviously long being a long-term investor in Tesla, right? Um, but just those pullbacks, right? You just, re, you just remember things like that. Um, you know, you having that trust in leadership and um, that trust in leadership a lot of times can, you know, put you in a position where, um, you know, ultimately, ultimately uh, you, you create a bias. So overcoming that is to understand that really at any time there could be a shakeup and being cognizant of that. Um, and that's one thing that I think uh, over time you, you as a trader, as a investor, yeah. you're kind of adapt to because it's very easy to fall in. I won't even say in, in love with a stop, but it's very easy to to uh, go back to the well over and over again. So, yeah, that would be my answer. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate that. And thank you so much. All right. Thanks. So now let's get on to the next question. So fear and greed are emotions that often dominate the investment landscape. So mm -hmm. how do these emotions influence decision making and how can investors strike a balance between them both? OK, so that's what I'm asking on is between fear and greed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when it comes to when it comes to fear and greed, let me say this. Right. Um, two, two of the main emotions. fear and greed drive the stock market. So let's start there. Right. Those are the two things that drive the stock market the most. Right. Fear and greed. Um, when you're when there's fear in the streets, you know, it's been said time and time before. Right. When there's blood in the streets, even if the blood may be yours, um, it's been the best time historically to buy. Obviously, when there's a lot of greed, when things kind of seem, you know, when they start to seem like almost too good to be true, that's usually where bad things happen. What I could speak to is um, I remember late 2019, like TR, every when I tell you, like every week, the stock market was going up. I remember Tesla. Uh, it's crazy. We're going right back here to Tesla. <clears throat> I remember Tesla went up for 12 straight Mondays. It went up 12 straight Mondays, like, and it went up 12 straight Mondays and it went up like 20, $30, 12 straight Mondays. I kid you not. I counted it each time. And I remember like, not even just Tesla, but the entire market, there was so much greed in the market. There was like really, 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 really so much greed. And I sat back and I realized, I said, man, like, this is really, 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 really crazy. I remember. And I was like, you know, the market can go up from here. Like it, it was going up, like it was going up every week, every week, every week. And it was like, there was no red in the market. And it just got to that point where it seemed like it was something, it, it just seemed like it was too good to be true, right? Certain stocks at all time highs, you're seeing stocks like Tesla that just went from like 30, $40 billion in market cap to now basically about $200 billion in market cap in just a couple months. And, you know, you're looking at it, you're like, wow, um, it was crazy. And yeah, obviously COVID that. came, COVID came February 24th, um, 
2020. 2020. And I remember that day, that Monday, um, it was one of the worst days in stock market history. Um, I remember not being able to get into my brokerage account at, at 9.30 a.m. The stock market was, um, you know, dropped at that point. I think at open, it was down maybe 1,100 points. I remember Amazon at the time, I think was down $86 at open. Um, I think AMD was down like $10 at open. Um, it was, I think Tesla was down about 80 bucks at open too. I think, uh, you know, I'm just recollecting, um, obviously it's been a while. Um, but I just remember seeing, you know, things obliterated and be down five to 10%. I, I remember that. And, you know, it was something that I, I thought it was, you know, super, super, um, it was a great learning lesson. Let me say that, you know, um, I also at the same time was paying attention. I had always been paying attention to the VIX super heavy, even in 2017, but really in 2018, um, I really learned about the fear index, right? The, the VIX being a true measurement of that measuring fear and showing when the market was greedy. And I realized I'm like, okay, well, the VIX um, was just kept making lows and lows and lows and lows just kept going lower. And so one of the things that I did was I bought um, at the time, um, a ETF to actually track the VIX, which is called TVIX. So at the time TVIX was about maybe 10, $15. Um, I was hedging um, my overall longer term portfolio and some of the bullish trades that I was taking. Um, and I remember uh, TVIX, what I did was kind of look in, in the past and, and see how the VIX reacted in times of uncertainty and mm -hmm. in times of fear. And what I saw was how the VIX would always, you know, in times of fear, you know, it would break above 20 or it would... Um, you know, it would actually, you know, rise and go above 20 and go above 30. And usually when the, the VIX broke 40, that's usually where all panic kind of sets in. Um, and what I saw from TVIX, which was an ETF mm -hmm. kind of had a that really had a direct correlation with the VIX. I saw in 2018 that TVIX when the market pulled back 20% when Donald Trump was going through the trade war, um, there was some fear in the markets, the market pulled back 20%. I saw TBIX go from maybe about 20 bucks to about 70. So I said, wow, when the market pulls back, I mean, this is something that I want to be able to capitalize in. And so what I did was as those certain stocks were going up, right. Um, you know, you know, I was buying a few TVIX shares because I was profiting from obviously Tesla going up 12 straight Mondays. The market was making all time highs like, every, you know, every single week. So what I was doing was I, I was taking a little bit of capital and I was putting it into the TVIX for a rainy day. Nothing crazy, you know, a couple hundred dollars here, a couple hundred dollars here. And, you know, obviously it added up over time because it was meant to be a hedge. Now, because of that, um, I remember opening up my brokerage account once again. Mind you, this is February 24th. Um, the market was obviously significantly down. So the, the, the trades that I was in, the investments that I was in, they had declined um, super, super bad. They, I mean, 
these things were were, were burnt and toasted, right? Right. Were, I can imagine. They were toasted at open. Um, I, once I finally was able to get into my brokerage account, once again, I couldn't get in at 930, mind you. So I'm seeing all of this action pre-market. I'm not able to get in for at least like maybe two hours, right? If I remember, maybe about 1115, 1120 was finally. So mind you, the market was, it wasn't that the market was uh, mm -hmm. closed. I remember we did what is called a limit down, right? For those that don't know what a limit down, that's when the market drops more than 5% in a day and they pause training, trading for 15 minutes, right? So a limit down had occurred. So um, I think it occurred somewhere, I think it, probably, I think it was like 9.40, around 9.40. So the market was paused till about basically almost 10 a.m. But for the rest of that time, you know, I wasn't able to get into the brokerage account. Um, you know, it was, I had a Charles Schwab account, couldn't get in. Mm -hmm. um, TD Ameritrade couldn't get in at the time. Um, couldn't get into anything. This sounds stressful. I'm sorry. This sounds like you're stressing me out when you were living this, actually. It couldn't get couldn't get it into anything. But the silver lining here was because I had bought the TVIX, when I opened the brokerage account, um, I was down five figures. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, I had to have been down from a, from a trades options perspective. I think I was down maybe twelve or $13,000. Um, from a portfolio perspective at that time, it had to have been somewhere near maybe 20, 25,000, right? If I'm just remembering, glancing that day. So somewhere, so starting off that day, I'm down somewhere around 30, 35,000, right? Already, mind you, couldn't touch anything, couldn't touch mm -hmm. any options that I had. So I was down about, about 35,000 that day, just starting off, right? Um, the T, the not the T triple Q. Um, I, we'll talk about the T triple Q later on in the show, but the TBIX, which is no more, um, actually saved my portfolio, right? Because I was actually putting money into that fear index. So the TBIX, it saved me. Um, and that was the part that the lesson in this, when you talk about fear and greed, is because, um, I had both, I had a mixture of both, I was fearful and greedy. Um, because part of me was kind of, you know, getting accustomed to the market making these all time highs. And you just kind of, you can kind of fall in that trance of, man, it's just going to keep going. But part of me was also fearful because I said, this is too good to be true. So I bought the TVIX and I was able to hedge myself on the downside. So when those losses, uh, which were all unrealized losses, the only ones that ended up being realized were the options, obviously. But the portfolio at the time, they were all unrealized. And um, it was a rough, 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 rough day. Um, and there was other parts where I didn't even open certain things up because I just already knew it was bad. Um, but that was part of the process. Either you could, you know, kind of complain about it or yeah. figure this thing out. Um, and that was kind of for me when you when you asked about the question of fear and greed, I didn't look at you know, the 2020, when the market started to come down, I didn't, I didn't look at it from a fear perspective. I really looked at it as an opportunity because of what I saw in 2018. Right. So through that experience of me seeing a market pull back 20%, even though this time around, it was definitely more severe. You're talking about a virus that's killing people, right. all types of stuff. So way more severe, but I, I really didn't look at it as, uh, I really didn't look at it as nothing, but really just an opportunity, right. For me to, um, you know, uh, once again, figure things out. So, you know, that mindset of not being um, 
just greedy, but also being a little bit fearful. Because like I said, every time the market was making new all-time highs, it was something in the back of my head was telling me, man, this is really too good to be true. Right. Um, and so I was doing those little things, those little hedges um, on names like and like like on names um, like Tesla, right? Um, Shopify. Um, I was really I was really heavily invested in Shopify at the time. So Shopify pulled back from like four hundred dollars to like two eighty, about two about two eighty. Um, so that was rough. Um, Tesla obviously pulled back, so that was clapped. Um, at the time, I was also investing in Square. So that pulled back, that was clapped um, during that time period. But the volatility, I would say, is what um, during that time period, we talk about fear and greed. Yeah. The volatility was insane. When I tell you, TR, like, um, like if you were a trader, you couldn't even use the bathroom while the stock market was open. Oh, my God. I say that with no pun intended. Like, uh, literally, weren't able to use the bathroom because that's how much volatility was happening, like, I remember like the like the 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 Dow would be negative a thousand and then it could end the day up five hundred, which that's like a fifteen hundred point move turnaround in a day. What you think about it is like, you know, even think about it is now like when was the last time the Dow went up a thousand points? Even now. Um I think it's had to have been at least two years since the uh, or at least a eighteen months since the Dow went up two thousand points. So it's been a while since the Dow last went up, you know. Um, a thousand points. I want to say at least maybe been about 18 months. I think since the last time it may have fell, I think the Dow has dropped a thousand points since the last time it's went up a, a, a thousand points. So just think about that. It's not something you see on the regular. The Dow right now, it's really a good day for the Dow to be up 400, 300, 400 points. That's really a good day right now. So that type of thing, when you talk about how can it affect your trades, um, it definitely can from a confidence standpoint. Like it was the wild, wild west trading in that environment. Um, and so you're talking about these up and down movements, up and down movements, just wild yeah. crazy. So yeah. All right. So quick question before I continue this conversation. I hope you guys are enjoying this because I'm learning so much. I know everyone is learning so much with you being transparent. So we really appreciate you for real. Okay. Yeah, so, so you mentioned, um, so like the, like TVIX, so it's not active anymore. So do investors yeah. have an alternative? So you still have a uh, active, um, so they, they delisted the TVIX. Um, it's actually the ETF that I believe it is now is a uh, TVIXF. Okay. Um, is delisted. It looks like as well too. Um, so they changed it. So you still do have, one version of the VIX that you can track, which is the UVIXY, um, which is the UVXY. So that was another part of what I looked at was the UVXY. So if you notice, um, and I'll show you, and the thing about the UVXY is what we call, um, it is a ETF that is a bear ETF. So any bear ETF, think about this, right? So I'll say it simple. The stock market is designed to do what? It's designed to go up. So anything like a bear ETF is really technically designed to go down over time. But there is going to be periods, obviously, if the market pulls back, right. that those those ETFs are going to go up, right? So the, the UVXY, it's about $16.64 right now. Um, if you look on a, if you pull up a chart, um, particularly, and actually I'm going to see if I can get the U, uh, UVXY. And so they kind of like delisted a lot of these um, or make it hard to actually trade 
a lot of these like it was in the past. Right. So it was way more easier to 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 really tr uh, trade the VIX um, in the past. Even when Donald Trump was in office, um, the UVXY, you could buy options on gotcha. uh, pretty frequent. You could still do it. Don't get it twisted. But it, it's not the same. It's, it's definitely changed. So I'm going to go full screen. Let me see if I can share my screen real quick. Yeah, because I was going to ask you to do it anyway so they can see it, too. So yeah. I'm talking about. Man, definitely make sure you guys are, are liking this video and sharing it. Um, we got 160 people tapped on. Super excited. So get to get into that nitty gritty, man, here tonight. So, all right. Uh, everybody can see the screen, right? Everybody should see. All right. So it's going to show you that the UVXY was, um, it's going to show you that it was like $1,000. Um, to explain it very simple, very quick. The UVXY has did about, um, I don't know, I want to say at least two to three splits, um, potentially maybe more. I haven't been tracking it a bunch, but it may have done more. Um, so it's done reverse splits, uh, the UVXY. So that's why the price is showing you this. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, So the UVXY was not $1,000, just to be clear. It was never 1000 at that time. The UVXY was about, um, it was about 10, it was about 10 bucks. So the UVXY went from like 10 bucks to a hundred bucks, which is where, um, and it briefly broke over a hundred bucks, uh, here and went to, you know, I think it was about like maybe 140, 150. So you had the VIX that was running up significantly. Let me see if I can pull up the TVIXF and see at least if they can show its chart. Yes, they can. So the TVIX. This is exactly what I was talking about, right? So mind you, so mind you, this is right here when COVID hit. Go here to the one year, mm -hmm. just to kind of zoom in, just to kind of give you guys a closer look to actually what happened. So mind you, what was I telling you? This whole time, the market was going up. This was, if you look here in 2019, yeah. this whole time, TVIX, was dropping because the market was going up. So the VIX was dropping, 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 dropping. And then even here in 2020, it was flat. And then what happened? The beast like awoken here in February, right here, like I told you. Yeah, the spiking. Um, like looking on 24th, right? Look at that. Look at this jump. Damn. 24th, February 24th. I'll never forget it. Right, February 24th here. And then look at what's happened thereafter. TBIX. So now something that I put bought at, you know, like 30, 20 bucks ended up going here. And if you take a look at the date, actually right here, you'll see this jump right here on 313 towards 316. So if you go back to your calendar, I want everyone to go back to their calendar um in 2020 and tell me exactly uh what day that is, right? So go back to your calendar in 2020. And I want you to look at uh, actually here at March 13th, right? That was a Friday. What do you think happened on Friday? I want you to type in Donald Trump, March 13th, 2020. That's what I want you to Google real quick. Donald Trump, March 13th, 2020. That was a Friday. What did what actually happened here?
All right, perfect. So KP just um just shared that he declared a national emergency. Yeah. Bingo. Proclamation of declaring a national emergency. This is his press conference. He did all of this, and guess what? Exactly what happened here. We saw. So the TVIX took off, right? Even higher. So think about it. It gapped up while he was talking. It gapped up like another hundred and seventy dollars. Like it gapped up another hundred and seventy right here. That's insane. Basically, really, or actually over. So if you think about that, then it gapped up right here into Monday. So the TVIX then hit almost uh, almost a thousand dollars a share. And then pull back. If you think about it right here on, you know, the 23rd of March, that was pretty much the market bottom. Right. And then ever since then, obviously, you know, this pull back, pull back, pull back, pull back. So once again, if I go here to the past here, it's late 2018. I seen what happened. Um, CBIX took off. And went up, you know, about 300 percent. Right. So. You know, I've seen it, you know, what I learned in the past about, you know, how the the greed, the fear and greed in the market really works was, um, in my opinion, like just super, super, super uh, helpful. So, yep. Now, well, listen, I appreciate that. So you all have just heard so many gems from Lawrence with him discussing like this really like the importance of how to position and get out of having fear and greed. But next, I want to get your opinion on overconfidence, because that's another behavioral bias that can lead to misguided investments. So please talk to us about that, overcoming overconfidence. Yeah, I think one of the things when it comes to being an overconfident person trading-wise, um, I think what happens is, is that um, you kind of like, you really create a bias, right? And there might be, maybe there's a specific stock or something that's happening, right? And you're super confident that something's gonna go in this specific direction. And then you make a, you try to take a, you know, you try to have a move that takes place from that. Um, that's not always really, in my opinion, that's not really always the best thing to to do, right? Um, you don't want to be super uber. A lot of times you don't want to be overzealous, right? When getting into a position, you want to be mindful of that. Okay. Like you don't, you don't want to be overzealous. You don't want to bank too much on something happening in the market and guaranteeing it. Um, I think that's a recipe sometimes mm -hmm. that all of us may fall victim to, right? We get accustomed to something and we think that it's always going to happen or always going to play out this specific way. Then we kind of got accustomed to it and, you know, it goes the opposite way. So that would be what I would personally say. Um, overconfidence also can lead to you putting up a more than what you should maybe on a given position. I've been, I know I've been there before, right? And like I said, we taking the gloves off here tonight. I feel like like what you what you're hearing right now, everyone, in my opinion, should be having the notes out and be willing to listen. And um, you know, I'm just speaking the truth, the reality. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know where you're gonna get a lot of this transparency um really from because everyone tells you, you know, we're talking about real, real losses. We're talking about, you know, real times of, you know, obviously, you know, market decline, what it looks like, right? And real mistakes that were made. Um I remember being the person that uh, I remember me particularly, right? Like sometimes having an overconfidence um, on a particular position and like, you know, you putting up way too much than what you should have put on it. Um, Cause you're overconfident that, yo, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And you fall victim to it. Um, mm -hmm. It's something easy in my opinion, I think to fall victim to it. I, I'm just speaking from experience. Um, 
you know, you may really have that goes back to that bias part, that emotional bias, right? You have an emotional bias to a company um, and, you know, you kind of over leverage. So that's something super, super, super important. No, that's real. That's real. So do you know any ways that people can basically mitigate this overconfidence? Yes, I would say um, one of the things that I've kind of like realized from a mitigation of that overconfidence is really even if you know a ticker, don't just think it's already written. Right. Like being open to hearing, um, you know, different people's opinions, um, whether it maybe it's an analyst. Right. Particularly on a stock. Even let's say you're a bull on a stock, but an analyst is bearish. Don't just close off that bearish take just because you're bullish. Right. I would say that that would be one piece of advice because I found it that a lot of times when you're able to listen to the opposite side of the spectrum of what you may think that can, um, you know, kind of be really a, a, a help to you. So that would be something that I would say. OK. Yeah. All right. So I remember I had a conversation a couple of days ago with my cousin because he does trade heavily. And he said that he had to overcome his fear of missing out. So is that also something that like many investors experience, too? Yeah, everyone I think deals with FOMO. I think no matter sometimes maybe what level you kind of have a level of FOMO. Mm -hmm. um, it's just about mitigating it. Um, recently, I think I would say what's probably been one of the biggest FOMOs where people's like, "Yo, it's probably Nvidia, right? Um, the move right. that Nvidia has made from an AI company perspective this year. You know, Nvidia has really blown things out the water. We'll say that. So I think from perspective I'm stating is, is, you know, some people feel as if, hey, you know, I missed out on, you know, this company making its run. You know, how am I going to actually be able to, uh, you know, where's the, when, when is it, where, where's the next move, right? What, you know, what's next? Like, I think that's something easy a lot of times that people could, um, you know, fall victim to. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes total sense. Yeah. All right. So I guess like on a positive note, right? Because I know you always mention importance of patient pays. And I know that that also definitely will, I guess, like affect in terms of you like mm -hmm. eradicating all of these biases, too. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah. So can you elaborate more about that? But like like patients, too? Yeah. It's one of the things I would say is like sometimes you just I'll, I'll say this, like sometimes you just honestly really don't know. Mm -hmm. um, you really, really, really a lot of times you really don't know. Um, when a company could really be on the verge of a huge breakout, right? So I think um, from that perspective, it's like, you know, patience pays, I think. For me, that standpoint is like, it's crazy because some of the companies that you just weren't patient enough, you come back maybe five years and you're like, wow, you just look down, you like shake your head, you like, man. Like I would say one recently that's... Um, really been kicking me because I remember when this ticker was like $200, right? Mm -hmm. It's AVGO, uh, Broadcom. Um, it's just crazy because I was, I guess I was super apprehensive on purchasing the ticker. I don't know why, really, to be honest. Um, I think because sometimes you you kind of want to see the story play out right away. Um, and it's crazy to see, you know, Broadcom, I believe it, you know, I think it hit. I try not to even look at it a lot because it's just like mm -hmm. every time you see the ticker, you're like, man, you know, it was right there. Um, I think what happens is, is a lot of times you're looking particularly at a ticker and you're like, man, I'm expecting that, you know, um, it's going to play out super, super fast. But even the names I feel like we rave about, like for the most part, majority of those tickers were like they were trading sideways for a lot of their existence, like NVIDIA mm -hmm. for 16 years, Microsoft. Well, you know, even for the first 15 years of this century. It really didn't return much to investors. 
over the last seven, eight years, these tickers have, you know, been world-class. Um, so I think from a terms of like patience pays, like you could be investing in something for five, 10, 10 years plus, And, um, you know, it could really, uh, it could really be a make or break type thing. So it's just about having the, not just the confidence, but, um, I think the scaling in and scaling out, I think is something that I think is super important as well. So um, scaling into a position and not putting all your money in at one time, I think makes that part easier as well uh, to for someone to be patient. So, yeah. All right. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I, so just from, I guess, like from a standpoint, when you were younger, did you ever have like, like that term, like anchoring bias? Did you ever experience that too? When you were first starting out with the stock market, like in trading? Mm -hmm. You said, say that one more time. So like, have you ever heard of the term It's called anchoring bias? It's like basically where you're relying heavily on like initial information and you just stick mm -hmm. into that. Did you experience yeah. that as well? I don't think really for that. I don't think really I, I experienced that really yeah. at all. Um, cause for me, I feel like I never really went with what was said, right? I kind of went with not even what the consensus was either. Cause one thing I would say that was super good, um, that I, I really appreciated was I remember like the, the first thing that was said about this company, like Tesla, right? Even the first thing that was said about Shopify, right? I kind of stayed away from listening to too much noise. Like I never was the person that really ever had CNBC cut on, right? Or was just listening to this or, or just hearing this for the first time and just running with it. Like for me, I was always that person. That, okay. I got to see, let me, let me see how this thing is. Let me see how it's going to play out. So not running with the first thing that's kind of put in front of you. Mm -hmm. So I never really dealt with that bias at all. No, that's good. That's good. So I'm about to bring something to your attention from the chat. So shout out to Audrey B. Mm -hmm. So she asks, do you think we should be scaling out of tech? No. Um, don't <laughs> do not do not. I, I personally don't think so. Um, like these tech companies are just firing on all cylinders. Um, I, my personal opinion is, you know, they'll continue to, to move up over time. So for me, no, I, I, I personally, no, I would not recommend that um, from a longer term investor perspective. No. If you're someone who's may have had options trades over the past few months that have, you know, printed X amount of percent, then Maybe you're thinking about taking profit, but my opinion is, nah, I think, um, you know, all the tech is dead. Um, <laughs> that that narrative didn't last very long. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not. And then even from like a job market perspective, I have a lot of clients interviewing at these same companies that had these mass layoffs at Amazon. She got an offer. I went on the one from Microsoft. So, no, it's definitely growing again, for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, so, yeah, nah, definitely not at all. For sure. Okay, perfect. All right. So, so I got another question I have for you is just the importance of being self-aware. So mm -hmm. what are strategies that you leverage to make sure that you're self-aware when you're investing? Yeah. Um, one thing I think I've been good about is uh, one, one thing that I, one, one particular strategy, I feel like being self-aware is like um, when you realize you're kind of hot, take a break. Uh, I think that's one thing that I've been probably, you know, better at over the years is like, you know, whenever, when you kind of hitting trade after trade after trade or, you know, whatever, being willing to walk away from it and taking a break, I think it's super important. Um, it's healthy from a health standpoint. So I, I, I do think that is, um, you know, something that I definitely would say um, as well, like um, being, being able to like, kind of like test yourself, right? 
knowing um, also what you're good at and what you're not, I think is super important. Like, um, you know, knowing where your weaknesses are, um, I think that makes you better all overall person um, and an overall trader. Being able to say, hey, this is what this is an area I'm weak in. So I need to become better um, and working on that. So I, I think that's something as well, too, in my opinion. All right. No, that's really awesome. So the last question I have is just the importance of like making rational decisions. And so if you can just share, I would say like three pieces of advice with the audience, please do in terms of making rational decisions. Yeah, I would say number one, um, go with your gut. Um, I don't think my gut's ever been wrong when it came to a trade or an investment. Um, that would be number one. Like if you go against your gut, that's usually where you lose. I remember being in trades that I knew my gut was telling me to take the other side, but yet I was, you know, in the other on that on this side that I was on. So I know going with your gut um, is something I would definitely say. Um, trust your gut. Mm-hmm. Give you good really gives you a probably greatest edge. Um, I also would say number two is. Um, you know, to pretty much just, just ask ask that part again, just so I could be clear. Oh no! So I'm just talking about like the person, like rational decisions. Three, yeah, yeah. So gut, with gut. Number two is um, number two is stick to your thesis. Um, and that kind of that it's not the same as going with your gut, but sticking to your thesis is really a thesis is not a gut feeling. A thesis is something that you've done qualitative and quantitative research on. And you came up to a decision, right? Like, don't let something, don't let one thing waver your thoughts on something. Like, maybe don't let one bad price target decrease change your opinion on this company. Don't let one bad article change this. Um, I also think sometimes just, like, really just blocking out the noise. If you know what you believe in something, like, you shouldn't be listening to what the rest of the world has to say about it. Like, I think that's one thing. Like, I remember just with Tesla, like people said, Tesla will never turn profit. Tesla will never do this. Tesla will never do that. And then Tesla did everything then some, right? So if you was listening to what the rest of the world was telling you, like, what could you really, at the end of the day, what what could you really come out of that and really have done? So that's really my take on that. Okay. So basically you mentioned the importance of education, also diversifying your portfolio and getting rid of biases. So yes. Thank you so much, Lawrence. So, yeah, you answered all the questions I had. I appreciate you. For sure, for sure, for sure. So, you know, as we pretty much, you know, wrap up here, the psychology of investing. Um, I say that, like, you know, we start off the episode with me talking about just the importance of it. But I think it's something that it takes time to, like, really just build. Like, the psychological aspect to me is just it. you have to just really build it up over time. Like, your mindset... Um, it's in tune with your body and, and your psychological. Like if you know, one of the things that I know is like uh, just to even tell you guys a story, like when you're not really right in the mind, you know, I think sometimes the best thing to do is really to stay away from the market. Um, you know, I remember like, um, you know, when I kind of was dealing with some, you know, family losses in life, just sometimes you could feel like different pressures on you. So I would just tell people like, you know, it's okay to sometimes take a step back. Um, you don't have to try to do everything in one day. Rome wasn't built in one day. And um, I think we just take it one step at a time, one trade at a time. 
Um, you you mm-hmm. pretty much make it a lot easier on you. So, um, you know, that's that's personally what I would say. Um, I I think going into the end of the year, um, my mind says just every single day, what can I do to really just get 1% better? That's really my mindset. Like, what can I do to put myself in the best position possible? Um, that's just really what it is. You know, one, 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 one step at a time, one day at a time, one workout at a time, one trade at a time. Like, that's really the mindset that you really have to have. Um, and the more you hone in, the more you kind of put yourself, like I said, in a better position, really just long term. So that's really what what I what I what I can just attest to and what I can allude to, you know, here um, as we head into, like I said, the last part of the year. So, um, you know, before you know it, it'd be Q4. And, you know, that's pretty much what it is for sure. All right. Well, we appreciate you so much, Lawrence, for being transparent. And, and as he mentioned before, you're not going to get that everywhere. I promise you. OK, you're not. You have a lot of people that like to sell you. What is it? These like courses and whatnot. And they don't really care about your well-being. I can honestly speak on Lawrence's character. And I know you all can, too, about just the importance of just really caring because you're not going to get that everywhere. So drop. Yeah. my. <laughs> yeah, appreciate that for sure. Yeah, I mean. I feel like the reality is, is like anything that I experienced, I just took it and yeah, like, come back tenfold from it. Like, um, I just, like I said, I remember, you know, um, you know, when the, I remember, I remember like, you know, when certain things happened and, you know, you can kind of, maybe there's a little bit of discouragement, but you just know you got to just keep pushing and keep going because every opportunity that you have is like, you know, a powerful thing. So. I just think, you know, for me, you know, it's just really just a mindset, um, shoot or shoot. So, you know, even the best three-point shooters, they go through sometimes a little bit of a cold streak. But, like, how do you really come back? You know, best shooters, they forget about the last shots that they missed. They focus on the next shots. So overcoming that bias, I just think, is um, something that's just a process, right? So it's really just, you know, it's really just a process. So, you know, shoot or shoot. So continue to show up and, you know, get the reps in. And that's what's really what it's about. So I just look forward to every day because each day is opportunity and you got to be really grateful because, you know, someone didn't wake up today. Um, Someone didn't have an opportunity. You know, we still have a lot of people in the world that don't have clean drinking water. We still have a lot of people here that don't have a roof over their head. We have a lot of people, you know, like I said, so it's just really, like I said, from a mindset perspective, like, um, yeah, that's that's really what it just comes down to. But for me, it's just like, you know, you wake up, you go get it. Um, I'm actually about to start this 33 day workout challenge. It's going to kick off tomorrow. Um, it was actually going to kick off today, but honestly, I just didn't really have the energy. Um, not really a little bit of a headache, but tomorrow um, I'm kicking it off this 33 day workout challenge. These are the things that when you think about from a psychological perspective, what you can actually do in the gym is you can actually put yourself and you can put your body through intensity. If you can survive an intense workout, uh, you can you can survive maybe a, a rough day, right? An intense day. So um, you want to live up to um, those expectations that you may have in the gym from a workout perspective that translates into business. So um, I just think it's just about keep striving, like, 
keeping keeping your foot on the pedal, keep going. Um, and you gotta overcome not not an emotional bias only, but sometimes the emotional societal pressures. Um, it's super tough sometimes to uh, you know keep maybe sometimes some of the emotions at bay. Um, you're only human at the end of the day, so you're 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 not a you're not a robot. You're not a Terminator per se. You're not a T ninety two. Um, so you have to be able to, uh, to have that adaptation and, um, you know, you got to appreciate it. Um, you know, when I see, you know, when I see, you know, driving, when I seeing, you know, there's homeless people and there's people without a place to stay, people without clean drinking water, um, fresh deodorant, fresh shower, um, fresh shoes, fresh socks, fresh underwear, you know, you have to really say, you know what, like, I'm really blessed. And so um, I just want to thank everyone for for tapping in here tonight. Um, you know, shout out to the Coma Series. Feels good to be back live. Um, be expecting a lot of stuff in the pipeline, um, you know, the next couple of weeks. So like I said, I'm excited, geared up. I'm ready to go. Um, and yo, let's go out here and get this thing. So appreciative to y'all. Let's make these moves, y'all. And uh, we're going to see y'all next week. Um, We got a special topic for y'all. We got some stuff we're working on in the pipeline. Me and TR, we're still going to be hosting that. um, Obviously, summer's been super busy, y'all. Yeah. We're looking to uh, still do that live episode in Dallas here pretty soon. Yeah. um, My boy, he signed back with Dallas and he got paid. So shout out to the good brother Kyrie Irving. Um, y'all know I love Kyrie and his new home for the next three years will be continued in Dallas. So I'm excited. So I appreciate y'all. I'm going to rest this voice up. I'm going to rest up and, um, let's go, let's go and get it. Yeah. All right. Have a good night cousins. Bye. Have a great week. Peace.